I say Lego, you say Legos. All this and more on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. A bricked Atari 2600. Once you pop, you can't load error. Let's talk about retro books. And a Vetrex Mini. All this and more coming up on the show. Hello, Chris. Um, it's been a while. Uh, we, we had it an has. unannounced <laughs> week off last week, didn't we? And I've got to put my hands up and say it's all my fault. And um, I think I think it's due an explanation. So sorry to everyone who might have missed us um, last week. Uh, as you know, I've, I've been talking an awful lot about the opening of the cave and getting the public in here and everything. And it is a huge undertaking. And I just had to uh, let slide a week of uh, podcast recording last week to, to get on top of things there. So I do apologize. Um, moving forward, hopefully we will be back weekly, but I'm still in that very, very busy figuring it all out period. So um, do forgive me if, if if we do have to miss any ones coming up in the future, but we will do our best to get back into our regular schedule and um, also maybe get some more guests on soon because um, I really enjoyed the guest shows that we've had so far. Hmm. How are you doing at your end, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> no, it's good to have that chat and you have been a very busy boy and it's it's just uh-huh. awesome that everything has been so successful as well. So, but yeah, it does does kind of eat up your time, doesn't it? So I am but one man, but, but I I am I am making up for this morning. I I'm, I'm, I'm treating myself this morning with this delicious looking cinnamon swirl. Look at that. That's oh, going to be my beautiful. reward at the end of today's show. That's the snack of the day. You got any snacks on your desk? No, I've got a glass of water and some tablets that don't belong to me, but we don't question what's going on in this room right now. <laughs> don't know what's going on. Oh, dear. Yeah. So we were talking about a movie recently on Netflix, and uh, you said you were going to watch it on the last show. Have you had a chance to do that? Um, I have, yeah. It was So that was Choose or Die on Netflix, um, a horror movie, as we mentioned, with you know a retro gaming link. Um, there's been... <laughs> I was going to say mixed reviews from the community that I don't think they are very mixed. I don't think it went down too well, but you know, oh, you can never please. Well, yeah, I think it, unfortunately it disappointed two groups, one being obviously the retro fans and the other being horror movie fans. So <laughs> keep it in mind. That's the only two things that are going for this movie. That's not a very good start. I enjoyed it, but I tend to go into these things with a low expectation and then I'm never disappointed either way um but what was nice about it i think so yeah it wasn't the best horror movie i've certainly seen better and it certainly wasn't the best movie with retro references i've certainly seen better there as well um but just little things that they did throw in we we all know they get things wrong they pair the wrong monitors with the wrong machines they have the wrong kind of font on a screen we you know we can pick holes in those kind of things till the cows come home we've discussed that before um but they had references to things like there were these young guys and they were essentially flipping some of the retro tech for cash you know doing some repairs here there when i say repair it looked to me like she was putting a blob of solder on an edge connector why you would do that i don't know it doesn't matter the fact is they were (laughs) i've not seen this film yet so is it set in the present day and they're flipping vintage gear or is it set in the past okay okay so set in the present day yeah so it was just a nice nod to an understanding of that going on as like a beer economy thing to do on the side um uh, so they're doing some modding and repairing and uh right at the start there's this opening scene and um these aren't spoilers and believe you me i can't spoil this movie more than it already is um but there's a scene with a 40 something guy you know in his cave in inverted commas and that's referenced in the text adventure game that he's playing because essentially don't forget that the the game is skewed with reality so the cave in the game is actually referenced to his man cave which is quite clever um and so he hides away in there playing 80s you know with his 80s toys and there's this um an argument going on outside the room between his teenage son or you know early adult son uh, around that age and and his wife and they clearly don't understand his obsession with his past with the 80s and all his emotional ties to that so i get the impression that somebody involved in the writing understands the retro scene i really do um but yeah it just doesn't flow through in in much other else you know in, in the storyline but yeah mm-hmm. it was nice nice to see those nods so um give us a score out of 10 chris two Right, moving on. <laughs> have you had chance to play? Have you had chance to play with your A five hundred Mini yet, Neil? <laughs> no, I'm not going to let you off the hook. Come on, you give us a score. <laughs> I, I said two. 
I said two. Oh, sorry, I, said I, didn't, two. I didn't hear that. Two out of ten. Two out of ten. Yeah, okay. I still feel like I yeah. need to go and watch it just so I can say I've watched it and know what it's about. But um, okay, it doesn't get the the This Week in Retro thumbs up. Um, <laughs> no. A500 Mini, uh, yes, I've had it plugged in. Um, had a little go on it. You know, very impressed. Pick up and play. You can get straight into a game. The options yeah. to resize the screen and get it looking right um, worked easily. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it does what it says, and it does it well for the price that it that it sets out to do it. And yeah. I think everyone knows if you're a tinkerer, if you're a hacker, if you've got expectations that you already know that this isn't going to meet, then you're not going to be happy with it. But for everyone else, I'm, I, yeah. I think it's impressive. And everyone who's come to the cave that I've shown it to is really impressed with the the build. You know, the, the model that they've made, um, yeah. the look of it, and everything like that. So um, yeah, it still it still gets the thumbs up from me. But I'm still not cool. going to do a yeah. review because every man and his dog has done a review on the thing. So <laughs> that's my review. You've yeah. had it. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I've got the perfect usage case at the moment because I've got family staying. So I'm essentially kicked out of this room, which is my retro room. Don't have easy access to my actual Amiga. So the uh, the, the i500 Mini is plugged into the TV in another lounge and I can still get my fix. So perfect usage. So have yeah, you got as cool. far as putting additional games on it? Yeah. Yes. So I put... Uh, Lotus 2 was the first one I put on there, other than the uh, Citadel that obviously they they provide as part of the download stuff that you have to put on the thumb drive. Um, so Lotus 2 gave that a quick bash, and only because I was involved in a high school challenge at the time, and I just wanted to see how well it would play, Battle Squadrons, I threw that on there. And that's where I did discover when, when you're playing a game that really does require fast precision, especially in the diagonals, Throw in an Xbox 360 controller and use the thumbsticks. It works perfectly. Yeah, I'm starting to hear more and <laughs> so, more complaints about the joypad, so I think that seems to be one of its weak points. Nice that they've included yeah. one, but there's nothing yeah. nostalgic about it, unless you no. perhaps had a CD32. Um, but yeah, a lot of people complaining that it performs better mm. than a CD32 pad, but that's not really a compliment. So. <laughs> that's true. No, right, should we get into this right. week's stories, Chris? Let's do it. Chris, you may remember that back in 2020, Lego released the Nintendo Entertainment System Lego set. Why hack your console until you brick it when you can just buy it pre-bricked? They must have included (laughs) that slogan on the packet somewhere. If they didn't, they're fools. But uh, if reports are true this week, we're going to see another Lego console, and it comes in the form of the Atari VCS or 2600. And we're expecting that to be available um, at the moment, this is just a, a bit of an estimate from the, the guys that have broken the story. They think from August on the Lego official store and then probably sort of January next year from other stores, Amazon or wherever you buy your Lego. Um, so an Atari 2600, the first question is, can you get wood grain Lego bricks? Not sure. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. The, the, the Lego bricks are, have, have gone so far from what they were when I was a kid, you know, all of these specialist kits that they do and the uh, specific bricks that they make for them. So I'm sure this thing is going to look good. Um, every, you associate Lego with high quality, don't you? That's why yeah, anyone oh, who absolutely. comes along with um, you know, a, a fake copycat brick is never quite the same. I'm sure there are people out there who have found something that does the job for them and their kids, but there's just something about Lego. Nothing quite um, gives you the same pain when you stand on it as a as a real Lego. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, it's just a Lego model. It's not going to function as an Atari 2600, but I expect it would take all of about 10 seconds before someone puts a Pi in there, hooks up a wireless controller, maybe adds uh, an M- NFC reader so you could put a Lego cartridge in it or just rest it on the top to load your game you know you already know oh that would be cool sort of thing it's gonna happen isn't it Mm. um it's expected to retail at around 150 pounds 170 euros or 200 us dollars i'm afraid i don't know what that is in australian dollars um and i know 300 about 300 Mm. okay first reaction does that represent value for money to you at that price (laughs) Lego is so expensive. Yeah, it is. I mean, it just is. Uh, do, do you invest in gold or Lego? You know, it really is at that point now. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, Lego is expensive. Um, I always remember as a kid that my approach to Lego was a big old bucket of mixed up Lego, the green mm. plate that you would put on the floor, you know, and then just build whatever you want using your imagination from whatever you had in the bucket. I never actually had these 
kits. Oh, no, I had one kit that I can think of, and it was the Lego Police Station. Do you remember that one? The Lego Police oh, Station. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when I'd finished with it, it just got deconstructed and thrown in the bucket with all the other bits, and then it would become whatever else you wanted it to become. Uh, there yeah, were probably yeah. Lego fans screaming at me now, why didn't you put it back in the original box? But that's what you did as kids. You know, Lego was just a, a fun way to um, to use your imagination. So yeah. I've got a feeling my instincts are telling me that this isn't really aimed at kids, though, Chris. It's probably aimed at people <laughs> like you. Would you want this? I think you're right. I think you're right. Would I want this? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, playing with Lego. We approached it exactly the same way. So I did have sets and it was predominantly... We had some what we called Castle Lego. I don't know what the official title for it would have been. We had some of that. And then um, I kept asking for what I would call road Lego. I just wanted roads so I could put cars on them and have races. But instead, my sister, who was working in Q8 at the time, she kept bringing back every time she visited home, she would bring back me a set of uh, Space Lego. And boy, do I wish I still had that. So I had quite a few complete kits of space Lego. But same as you, Neil, we had a big box um, and it had a flip-up lid. Um, it was actually designed as, I think, what well, they they used them for baby boxes. You put nappies and pins and stuff in. But it was a perfect Lego box. We just shoved this thing full of Lego, opened the lid, and where you were meant to put your you know, your safety pins for your baby's nappies and whatever, that's where we put the small <laughs> hard-to-find pieces so they didn't fall okay. to the bottom of the box. Um, and... Yeah, yes, you'd build the set when you first got it. You'd follow the instructions, but within an hour, it would be smashed up and turned into something else. And then when you're finished playing with it that day, it goes in the communal box. And that's you, me- you mentioned how we did the, um, the space Lego. I'm, uh, I'm not mm. up on my Lego, but I'm sure I've read somewhere that those original little spacemen with their helmets are quite collectible and value and something valuable. Don't. Yeah. Is Don't. that the case? <laughs> the whole the whole lot. Oh, probably. Yes. I mean, I, I did remember looking at some of the sets and thinking, no, I cannot go down this rabbit hole. I, I don't have the budget for this. This isn't <laughs> my life, you know. Um, but um, our our entire box, our communal box of Lego, which by that point included Technic Lego with the motors and everything, sure. it all went to a jumble sale, as you do when you think you're growing up and you don't need these things. And then once I got kids of my own, and I remember it was it was soon after we moved to Australia, the best thing we did was I just looked on, uh, actually it was in a paper called the Quokka over here. So, you know, the equivalent of your local buy-sell. Um, mm-hmm. And we just found a box of Lego for sale and that's what we bought. And that's all the boys ever needed, you know. <laughs> but most yeah. of their sets were just made out of that communal box. So, but yeah, we had to fast track it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, what about yourself? Um. I could be tempted by this. If you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said no. But uh, Mm. I was given a Lego set um, for my birthday some time back, and I only just got around to building it uh, in the the lull after Christmas. I was relaxing. I thought, Mm. that Lego set, let's build it. And all it was was one of those street scenes. Uh, I I don't know if you've seen them. You can get different cities, and it's the skyline of that city. So this one was Paris, and it had the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and all of that stuff. And Lily and I just sat at the kitchen table, um, uh, a bottle of wine maybe may have been involved and we just built this set <laughs> and it was really cathartic it was a really lovely thing to do together I have some memories yeah. of being quite frustrated with Lego back in the day but actually hmm. this was really nice to do and a real, really kind of mindful exercise so um, nice. yeah I, I, I wouldn't say no however at the price I would probably come in at something a bit lower you've got to build up to those kind of prices I think that's for the, the yeah. serious retro lego head niche wherever that venn diagram crosses (laughs) (laughs) those are the kind of people that are going to spend that money Um, something popped into my head when you just mentioned castle lego it's completely unrelated Mm. but it was just castles at the same sort of time when i was mucking around with lego as a kid there was this game called crossbows and catapults i don't know if you ever remember remember that that. yeah oh i absolutely loved that so you it it was a building exercise as well you had all your pieces you built two castles one for each player we did it on the landing so you do it at either end of the landing <laughs> and then you take turns to use your weapons which were rubber band powered catapults and stuff and and destroy each other's castles and as a couple of you know young boys that was the best thing ever smashing things up yeah and see who could destroy uh, the other castle first brilliant 
Nice. Unfortunately, I, when, you, when, when you say, do you remember it? I remember it. I remember it clearly. I remember the TV advert is what I remember. Oh, I, always, yeah. I asked for it several times. I never got it. So we oh. had a similar tank game. We had a tank battle game. We had to blow up each other's tanks. And we had Crossfire. I don't know if you remember that one. Remember we had to Crossfire. shoot a ball bearing at each other. Yeah. But no, never actually got my hands on that one. <laughs> Um, it also brings back memories of, um, in more recent years, I used to work for the company that ran Legoland in the UK. So Ooh. I would often go and, and meet them there. And I wasn't responsible for the servers and the networks there. They had their own on-site team. But I do remember going into the server room several times. Um, I think mm. I was managing the backups there. That's why I was there. And I remember at that site in particular, Every year, without fail, the server room would flood. Hopefully, they've moved it now, but they <laughs> had a lot of problems with <laughs> flooding in the server room. And um, my experience of working at a lot of theme parks is very much like that. You know, no matter how glossy and perfect it is to the, the visitor and the visitor experience out front, there's there's a sysadmin swimming to his server in the back room. You know, that that's the last <laughs> place that gets any budget. Um, poor oh, guy. Um, I think his name was Art. So, Art, if you happen to be listening. Yeah, keep up the good work. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's get back on topic. Uh, if there it was any other system that you would like to see as a Lego that isn't the mm. Amiga, oh. what would you like to be made into Lego, Chris? Well, look, first and foremost, uh, I didn't actually answer the question. I just realized I didn't answer your question. So I think I would be tempted. I remember uh, by, the, by the Atari 2600, um, mm -hmm. which can't, if I can't say Amiga, then actually this is one because it's such a such a classic and recognizable system it wouldn't matter who walked into your house they'd recognize the atari 2600 if they're of a certain age it's not like you'd have to explain what it is um i remember and i really enjoyed retro recipes did the lego build of the nes um mm -hmm. i think it was his wife that did it um lady frantic um and that, that was really enjoyable to watch, but I really don't have enough nostalgia for that system to fork out this kind of money. Even though it's a beautiful model, I didn't realize it has like the proper cartridge eject mechanism and the screen moves. You can rotate the screen. It's a really clever build. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot of money. So yeah, I am tempted by the Atari 2600. And, and you mentioned um, what are people going to put inside it? I, I've been wondering what I should mount this piece of tat in which is my, my flashback. I, I really enjoy using this. And this is the nine. So it actually has an SD card, card slot. So this has a thousand and one games on it, including Shadow of the Beast and Halo and bizarre things like that. You can now get for the 2600. But it, it is a plastic piece of tat on the outside. So what do I put that in? Maybe this is a nice, you know, good quality case to put that in. But a larger plastic piece of tat. <laughs> a larger plastic that, that, that costs... And this is the problem with that plan, Neil. Um, I could pick up a broken original 2600. Obviously, I wouldn't ruin a good one, but there, there's so many of them out there. I could probably get one for $25 or or for nothing. You know, It's quite plausible That's to still true. pick them up for, for absolutely yeah. nothing. So, But yeah, I think this would be a nice build if I can't say Amiga. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go with uh, either a range of beige PCs Give me towers and mm. desktops and things like that. Um, or uh, a Cray 1 supercomputer. Do you remember the one that it was like uh, a semicircle with a bench around it, a seat around yes. it? Um, yes. Yeah. It was all sort of blacks and nice colors and things. So uh, a Cray 1 would do for me. Full size. Full size. Full, that's a lot of Lego bricks. Um, <laughs> a lot of yes. Yeah, do full you, size because it would double as my retirement fund. <laughs> do you Lego. get over there? Do you get over there a show called Lego Masters? I've got to ask this question probably but if we do i haven't seen it tell me oh okay it. look it up seriously look it up We've, it's it's currently running i think it's a fourth season here in australia and it is it's one of those things that you go oh actually there is still a reason for free to air tv it's it's one of those shows that you just go this is fantastic and what it is it's a bit like master chef or those cooking programs or whatever but with lego so teams come in and they there's a guy called Brickman who's you know one of the top <laughs> 14 brick builders in the world or whatever and they're given challenges and and it's it's a nice friendly family show so there's no backstabbing and all of that rubbish that you get in other shows it is right. aimed at the family and it is just pure wholesome fun and the builds are just staggering you know they're given a challenge there's a brick room where they run into and there's there's all these drawers you know more lego than you thought existed in the universe <laughs> and they just run in there come out they've got you know uh, time limits obviously and the 
absolutely amazing build. You wouldn't think it was possible to, to pull off the things in Lego that they do. So yeah, nice. highly recommend looking up some clips. Yeah, I need I, I need to search for that and see if we can watch it. Um, uh, it can't be any worse than a show that popped up on my screen the other day, which was called "Is It Cake." Have you seen that? (laughs) (laughs) They basically present two things. Um, Let's say say it's a big cup of milkshake. And one of them is the real milkshake and the other is a cake made to look like it. And you have to guess which one it is. And then they put the knife through it and everyone goes, wow, it's cake. That's about where I switched off. (laughs) (laughs) It's not cake. Oh, you've just chopped someone's arm off. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. that story came came this week. It was submitted by Pajaco6502. So thank you for submitting that to our subreddit. You can um, find out more on our subreddit at uh, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro, where you can also submit stories for us to chat about, upvote the ones that you like, downvote the ones that you don't. We don't necessarily pick the ones at the top each week, more the ones that interest us, but they're more likely to be picked if they're closer to the top and we can see people have got a lot of interest in them. And um, Mm. that one will link you to the original story, which was posted on Eurogamer.net. Okay, Neil, I know you're not on Facebook that often, but I am. Um, Probably shouldn't be, but yeah, that's a (laughs) habit I've got to try and break. But I was on there and I found a poll in one of the retro computing groups that I saw rather interesting. Uh, This poor guy, let's let's just call him Tony, because that's his name. Um, And he basically he stated that his wife's birthday was on the 23rd of April. So this was before the 23rd that he put this poll up. And the poll options were basically asking what he should do because he wanted to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> so he was in a bit of a moral dilemma, oh um, as yeah. you can understand. Uh, one, one of the people posting comments underneath the poll did point out that his wife will have another birthday, but there's only one 40th anniversary the spectrum um what would you have done neil any advice for for tony any marriage counseling uh yeah tony needs to find a divorce lawyer that's my advice (laughs) (laughs) yeah tricky one isn't it tricky um can he not take the spectrum with him and uh, to whatever activity they've chosen to do i I think that would just make everything (laughs) worse no i'm I'm the last person you should be asking for relationship advice chris (laughs) (laughs) i know what he should have done but we'll come to that later but one of the things he could have done um, is he could have just bought him his wife some Pringles. Uh, there's no dilemma there because they've certainly got no issues with celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Spectrum. So what Pringles did was they popped up on YouTube. See what I did there? Pop. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so they popped up a video on YouTube and it's a very simple video. And it's just basically the camera slowly dollies in on a 3D render of... Mm, what looks to be an attempt at a retro looking computer. And this is where I will be honest. I don't know who was given that as an assignment, but that could have been done better. Um, it's, it's a beige PC looking thing. And in the back, you can see some like tape to tape reels as if it's a server room or something. I don't know. Uh, it should have been, you know, if they'd have given me the, the brief, I'd have gone with, you know, a small CRT TV in a crusty 80s themed teenage bedroom. This is where this, this thing should have been set. But other than that, the camera's dollying in on this CRT screen. Um, and the only sound you can hear is the sound of, well, what we would recognize as a data stream. You know, it could be dial up, but we know it's not. It's it's definitely the distinctive sound of data loading from an audio cassette. So towards the start of this very short video, we see the load bars on the side of the screen. So this tells us that this is a spectrum tape that is loading. Um, but mm-hmm. we only see that briefly at the start. And so while the, the loading sounds continue and they continue throughout the entire video, the screen begins to display some text in a retro styled font on a black background and it displays them one line at a time as the video progresses. And it says, and I won't read the whole thing, but just to give you an idea, many years ago, before the metaverse, before Web3, before BFTs, before crypto, mobile, the cloud, the internet, AI, XR, AR, VR, and I'll skip ahead. It sort of uh, starts to round up. It says, um, so again, the the load sounds are continuing. Um, And it says, before all this, there was Clive. And the load sounds continue, and it declares that this is for the original gamers. 
the OGs. And uh, do you know what? Even just saying it, I'm not even kidding now. <laughs> I'm getting the goosebumps. I've actually got goosebumps in, in my notes here, but I'm literally getting them as I go through it, as it's reminding me of how it felt to watch the video. I literally got goosebumps at that point. And then it says, you know what to do. So we've mentioned this before, Neil, the fact that the 40th anniversary was coming up this year and it was on the 23rd of April. Um, and this video, it would seem, is Pringle's way of celebrating. So did you take a look at it, Neil? Of course I took a look at it. Yeah, yeah, it came up <laughs> on my stream. And um, uh, by the way, <laughs> when you were getting goosebumpy and going through that, somebody, people would have picked up on this. You said before BFTs. I think you had a typo oh, there. NFTs. <laughs> NFTs. Before NFTs. As I read it, I thought, that's not right, but let's just carry on. <laughs> NFTs, sorry. But the B's next to the N. It's easy to do. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it came up on my stream, and not only did I see it, I I got goosebumps too. I captured the audio. I converted it into, the, uh, into a tap format to load into my Spectrum emulator. Didn't do it on real hardware. I'm sorry. Did it on an emulator. Um, and then I followed the on-screen instructions, which uh, tell you to do a thing. I'll, I'll try not to spoil it. Um, <laughs> so I did that thing, but then I was quickly mm. informed that somebody else had already done the thing far quicker than me and won the prize. But thank you anyway Aww. for trying. So uh, it, it was a fun thing to do. And, um, you know, it reminded me of how they used to transmit software over the radio and over the television and things like that. And you would, mm. you know, you'd have to go and record it and, play it into the system some way or, or, or another and it just even though we were doing it on a modern platform of twitter it just gave me those feelings again that you know i don't nice. know what this is this is exciting i'm not going to know what it is until it loads um, and if you want the full experience load it in real time just let it slowly mm. load <laughs> so nice. it was good it was good yeah um and, and i did like the end result how about you did you actually give it a go I didn't give it a go, but and I'll tell you why. Um, before the before the competition, and it is a competition, uh, was over, somebody had already posted a video of what it looks like to load it. And I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with watching that as an experience. But in every, because it's a competition, that kind of then wasn't in the spirit of what they were trying to achieve. So yeah. after I watched it and realized what the intent was, I thought, ah, well, that wasn't really in the spirit, you know, there. And maybe it yeah, wouldn't I have did. been the best I, thing I to put up on YouTube. Well. But I didn't post yeah. it anywhere because you want other people yeah. to discover it and have that feeling. Exactly. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, yes, yeah, so it was it was a competition. It's for the UK only, so and it closed on the twenty third, so it's too late now anyway. Um and I'm gonna be honest here, and this links in with our opening chat. It felt really weird watching this, uh, so close to having just watched Choose or Die, because I'm talking about two days apart when I actually mm -hmm. did this. So watching a, a horror movie about loading games on a, on a spectrum and playing text adventure games that was aff affecting real life and then having this experience of watching this thing load and it asking you to do something in the real world, which is essentially what it asks you to do, it, it actually felt a bit creepy. <laughs> it was it was it was quite bizarre, but only because I'd watched Choose or Die first. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a, a brilliant example, another brilliant example of retro tech in hitting the mainstream. Mainstream, it's really cool. Um, did you celebrate the fortieth anniversary at all, Neil? I did, I did, um, and also not only hitting the mainstream, but uh, hitting the mainstream in a place you wouldn't expect. You just wouldn't expect Pringles mm. to pick up on the ZX Spectrum's fortieth birthday. Absolutely. Very odd. I'm not complaining. It was just very odd that it was them. So, uh, but mm. yeah, we had actually a public day here on the cave on that very day, just by coincidence. Ooh. So I made sure that the ZX Spectrum next to me over here, it still has its balloons tied up above it. And I made a special sign saying happy 40th birthday, Specky, and just explain a little bit about the history of the machine. And of course, people could sit down and play on it. So um, we did, we did celebrate it as part of that day. And mm. um, while we're on the topic of that day, Chris, uh, I oh. had a visitor all the way from Sydney came over and, um, for the day. Um, yeah, amazing. And uh, it was a, a real one, a real Australian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never going to live that down, am I? I never claimed only, to be one, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, not only did they visit, they also donated um, a home computer kit that they produce and sell themselves on their website, which is called thehighnibble.com. And it's for mm. a um, MC8080. So if you're not familiar with that machine, um, the, the easiest way to describe it is like an Altair, you know, like the, the blue box with the red switches all along the front and lights oh, all along okay, the front. Yeah. 
one of those. Yeah. So his kit is, you know, the board, the front panel and the switches. And then I think I've got to find a box. Hey, I, I could even make one out of Lego um, to slide that front <laughs> panel into. Um, and, and then you can, you can, you know, program it and terminal into it and do everything that you would do with the original. And that is um, an era of computing that is before my time, but um, it would interest me to just take a dive down that rabbit hole and see what's possible mm. with it and what it was used for and learn about its history. So I think that could be a really good way of doing it. So um, can I play Doom? Uh, Thehighnibble.com. Go, go and check out the kits there because it's built to a really high quality. Um, and, I, and I brought that up because, um, A, yeah, I thought it would make a good Lego build, as I've, of, as I've said. And B, I'm sorry to tell you, Chris, but as an Australian, he informed me that to fellow Australians, <laughs> you don't sound Australian at all. So you have to keep it's working. It's so at true. It. <laughs> it, no, it is so true. And it's not something I'll work at. And, and and I'm also well aware that when I'm talking to somebody from England, I slowly sound more and more English. Not to your ears, um, <laughs> but it is something I've lived with ever since I moved over here. So people over here think I sound English. And if I visit family in the UK, um, they think I sound Australian where I don't at all. Here's a funny story. I actually rang up a radio competition simply because they said, uh, we just want people, they were doing accents. They said, we want somebody to ring up that can do an, an English accent. So I just rang up and I just talked to them like I'm talking to you. And I won the competition. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I actually told them to give the prize to somebody else. That's another story. But I wasn't interested in the prize. I just thought it'd be funny to just ring up and talk just like I am now. And they were like, that is such a good English accent. And I slid into, um, I purposely slid into a Somerset accent, which I could do occasionally, <laughs> um, just to sort of, you know, sort of mess them around a bit. So yeah, it was good fun. <laughs> good, good. Um, how about you? Did you celebrate the Spectrum's birthday in, in some way? Yeah, I did. So I um, I played some Spectrum games on, on the 48K. Um, so I played uh, Iridium first and foremost. And, and that was quite funny because I was trying to make a tribute video at the same time. I just thought that's something I can easily bash out this week. Um, and it was, you know, topical. And of course, part of the, the nostalgia of loading from the Spectrum is, yes, the sound, um, but also those those, you know, flashing lines at the side of the screen. I don't know the last time you loaded Iridium from tape, Neil, but it doesn't have flashing lights at the side of the screen. It just has black and there's a little indicator in the bottom left that tells you whether it's loading or not. So that caught me out. But anyway, so I played some Iridium, played some Ghostbusters, played some F1 Simulator, the Mastertronics version, and some Kung Fu Master after several attempts to load it. Again, all part of the nostalgia. Um, and then suddenly thinking, oh, wait a minute, let's try side B and side B clearly hadn't been used and it was of much better quality um and then other than that yep i watched uh micromen for about the third or fourth time love that um docudrama and um that's about it so i think i think what i might do is i'll probably take my zx spectrum to the next perth amiga users group which is coming up in may as well so good yeah. good to have that specky representation down there yeah, definitely. And they, they they welcome everything. Doesn't matter where it's from or, or what country or whatever. So we call it the Perth Amiga Users Group, but really it's it's just a retro group. It's a really good bunch of guys. So thank you, Bajaco6502, for sharing this little gem in the subreddit. I wasn't UK enough at the moment to enter the competition, but anyway, I think the goosebumps it gave me, and they were genuine, um, and the vindication I felt whilst being referred to as an OG was prize enough. So happy 40th. ZX Spectrum, although we're a week late. Our friend and one-time guest on the show, Mean Machine Dean, has submitted the next story this week, and he shared with us the release of a rather nice-looking book, and I am a sucker for a good coffee table book. Um, what, what it is, is it's one from Bitmap Books. Many of you will be familiar with those guys. They've produced a lot of lovely retro books, and their latest one is for The King of Fighters, The Ultimate History, which we're expecting to land, according to their website, from the 9th of May. Now, the history of this game uh, goes all the way back to one called Fatal Fury, King of Fighters, I, I believe, from my brief research and memories. Uh, and that came out in 1991. And then it would go on, the series would go on to be called The King of Fighters. And there were a lot of sequels. We're talking, I don't know, there must be at least sort of 24, 25 sequels in this series. They used to release one every year. So you'd have King of Fighters 94, 95, 96. They just went on and on and on. And um, if you're not familiar with the game, it's a side-on 1v1 one one, one 
fighter from SNK. It ran on the Neo Geo arcade and home platforms originally. And clearly it was designed to take on Street Fighter or Street Fighter 2, which was in development at the same time. And it did a pretty good job of it, I think. It, it accrued its fair share of fans who favoured this over Capcom's machine. And I was certainly fond of it. Um, not least because it had a, a character in there called Terry Bogard. Um <laughs> Yeah, he looked cool. He had like a, a red trucker's <laughs> cap on and a you know a nice jacket and everything. But his name was Terry Bogard, and the big boss to defeat at the end of the game was called Geese Howard, um, which <laughs> just does, it just doesn't sit right for me as as you know macho brawlers names in a beat 'em up Terry versus Geese. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> quite memorable in that respect. But you know, as you know, with these SNK games on the Neo Geo, beautifully. Um, animated, lots of character to the backgrounds and lots of storytelling in the game. Well, as much storytelling as you can get into a one one v one fighter, but there's plenty of it in there. And the game was developed by Takasha Nishiyama. He was the original creator of Street Fighter, uh, the first Street mm. Fighter back in the day. So there's more than just a passing resemblance between the two series. This, for him, was his spiritual successor, his vision of Street Fighter 2, if you like, uh, which was in development at the same time over at Capcom. Now, while Street Fighter 2 put the emphasis on combos, Fatal Fury was more about special moves, timing those special moves right, and, as I said, storytelling, and gamers would choose their camps. I remember uh, the arcades I used to go to in Weymouth, um, there would be, certainly in the Street Fighter 2 era, there, there was always a gaggle of people around the Street Fighter 2 cabinet. Of mm -hmm. course, it was wildly popular. And the King of Fighters cabinet was actually just behind it, you know, very, very close to Street Fighter 2. And there was always someone playing on it. Never as many as Street Fighter 2, I must admit. But, you know, it had its fans. And I was um, partial to go on it once in a while. Um, I, I, I probably like that series better than the Street Fighter series just because I always felt I could get to grips with the controls on it a little bit better and I could actually pull off the special moves and I liked the timing aspect of it a little bit better. So I would probably favor King of Fighters over Street Fighter mm. 2 and I'm going to get scolded for that, I'm sure, but it isn't a bad game. <laughs> so dare I ask, Chris? Dare I ask? Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh no. Have you ever played any King of Fighters games? Uh, look, I'm going to say... Not knowingly, and and I say that, and I probably maybe I haven't, but I, I do remember, and I'm glad you've said that it was on the Neo Geo because what I'm seeing, and this was in the arcade at Tunbridge when we used to skip off from college and, and go down there, we would play Street Fighter Two because we had a um, a bit of a friendly competition going, and then round on one of the other cabinets, my mate James said, "Oh look, you'll probably enjoy this one as well," and it was on one of the Neo Geo cabinets, um, which generally had multiple games you could select, and there was a fighting game. And it was kind of like manga style, you know, characters and animation. I remember it had swords in it. And I remember it zoomed in and out, which is was totally different to Street Fighter. So when you were at the edges of the screen, it would zoom out. And then when you were in close combat, it would zoom right in again. Was, is, was that one? I don't know. It Maybe that no. was one. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> I thought thinking, maybe, Neil. I yeah, thought. you're thinking of one, I think, called The Last Blade, which was also... Ah, oh, maybe. Idea. And yeah, uh, yeah. It, yeah the, the sprite scaling um, was part of yeah. Fatal Fury or King of Fighters. And they also played with lots of other mechanics. I seem to remember, for example, at one part in this point in the series, you, your fighter could kind of move up and down onto two or three planes. So you might yeah. be closer to the screen while your opponent was further back. So you couldn't hit each other unless you were. I think that that happened as well. There were so many SNK fighters. You know, they mm. all kind of merge into one if you think about them too much. <laughs> and King of Fighters I was hopeful did appear for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> it did appear on other platforms. It did get home ports and things like that. Um, but yeah, okay, L let's let's extend our chat then into other books because I don't think either of us are going to have the knowledge to go too deep into the King of Fighters history other than I've played it, you haven't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of our favorite books. And uh, Chris... Um, have you got any on your bookshelves that you might like to recommend to uh, any of the listeners? Yeah, well, look, I mean, this thing is by Bitmap Books, and um, I only have one of their books. I'll explain why in a second. But the one I've got is the um, Sinclair ZX 
Spectrum Visual Compendium. Um, and this was on my Christmas list when we were in the UK in 2019. And um, we went to the London... Um, uh, science museum and we'd missed they'd apparently had a retro computer exhibition there i think we'd missed that but still in the gift shop they had these uh for sale so that's where my family picked that up for me for christmas so this, this is a really nice book and i mean we all know everybody everybody in the scene knows what the the quality that bitmap books put together so that's a really nice one this next one, oh, sorry. And so the one I keep going to pull the trigger on is, of course, um, the computer that I'm not meant to mention. Um, is that, yeah, you've got it there. Is that the <laughs> is that the Amiga one? I can't it see because my, my screen's Governor blurry Amiga, from this. A visual yeah. compedium. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I need to pull the trigger. And the reason why, I mean, they're not expensive. I think they're really well priced. But obviously, being in Australia, I have to take into account shipping if I'm not there. So it might be something on my next UK visit, I think about ordering, get it sent to a family member, and I'll pick it up that way um and get the amiga one i i have gone to pull the trigger and then i always just empty out um empty my um my shopping basket and walk away from the website um the one another one i've picked up locally and this is a really quaint one is um the the haynes driving game manual so it's in oh, the wow. it's in it's in the style of a, you know a haynes computer were, sorry not computer car workshop manual uh, which are very well known in the automotive industry um, for putting out the manuals for almost every single car um, to show you everything you know from doing a minor service to completely pulling down the engine and putting it back together again it's the kind of detail you get and every now and again they'll do a bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke so that you can get the the haynes manual for the millennium falcon for instance yeah. <laughs> stuff like that so they do play about with things like this and this one is just the driving games manual once you get inside it it doesn't look like any of the haynes manuals but it does go through some really nice games uh driving games from all through gaming ages so it's got things so like pole position a, i can see a picture yep. of indy 500 indianapolis 500 yep. there so that's indy 500 i'm pretty pages. sure let's see what else we've um, got what are we getting a bit there? pixelated even... at my end, so I can't see what they are. Yeah, it does get pixelated. We've got a big picture of a, a Skyline R33, which has distracted me. Um, that might be touring car racing. I don't have my glasses on, Neil. Yeah, there oh. we go. Yeah, Code, <laughs> Codemasters um, touring car racing. Um, but you've got things like pole position in here. Outrun is, of course, in here. Um, it's it's a really nice, really nice book. And I was I was pleased. I was just walking through our local, as in immediately local shopping center, which is just one of those little strip malls. Um, and that was there outside a shop and I could have e easily left it there. And instead I just picked it up, paid for it and then gave it to the wife and said, there you go. That's my birthday present <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing. I occasionally do just to justify these things, but yeah, that's a really nice one. So if you do see that, pick it up, but yeah, so this fighting one, I'm not sure if I'll pick that up, but the Amiga one, Amiga visual compendium, got to get a copy. Yeah. Disappointed in you, Chris, there was the perfect opportunity <laughs> for you to say, my favorite book is <laughs> Retro Tea Breaks from R. Oh, I don't have that. Store. You don't. I have. I have the coloring book. I, I've got your coloring book, Neil. Oh, shocking! <laughs> well, if anyone wants to buy my book, Retro Tea Breaks, which is a series of interviews <laughs> with game developers of of your um, RMT Retro Store. Okay, shameless plug out the way. Uh, a book that I you received... can see my level, can't you, Neil? You can see my level. Tea Tea Breaks, really good reading material, coloring book. That's the one I've got. Are you, are you getting me now? Driving games, but with big pictures that I can look at without yes. my glasses. Yes, yeah. that's um, right. So this is one that was a donation recently to the cave, which I really love. It's called Core Memory, uh, a visual mm -hmm. guide to vintage, a visual survey of vintage computers. Uh, and what it is, is there's a similar book called Digital Retro that goes into home micros and things. But this is just a beautiful um, coffee table book. I'll hold up a page there. Showing big iron, you know, massive chunks of nice. you know, woven core memory. And um, there we, let me find another one for you. Oh, look, I'm saying nice, gray. but it's all blurry to me right now, Neil. There you know go. that. <laughs> oh, beautiful. The one oh. There and, and all the innards and things like that. So <laughs> that's a really nice one to look at. Um, I'll, I've got two more to show you, and I'll try to describe them to our audio listeners. The next one is called Demo Scene. The Amiga Years, Volume 1, 1984 to 1993. And again, it's a beautiful coffee table book with just tons and tons Ooh. of information and lovely pictures about all the demos. Um, which ones were important, which ones weren't. Um, who coded them, who did the music, who did the graphics. 
parties. There's a bit of information here about the first Anarchy Eastern Party in 1992, music by Format. Just if you're into, into the demo scene, that's an absolute must. And that's from a website called editions64k.com. So that's a great one. And then another one, which was actually uh, given to me by the author who came to visit the cave last weekend. So, of course, I made him sign it, uh, Dr. Tim Nichols, mm. also from Bitmap Books. And this one's called Artcade. And nice. um, all it is, is lovingly restored by him, Arcade Marquees. Lots and lots of marquees. Ooh, okay. So you just flick through it. Even you and your eyes can see this, Chris. Like just yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. Looking gorgeous. And um, I've been speaking to him recently because he's now working on a follow-up book, which is the side art of arcade machines. Because often arcade machines would be so tightly packed together, you wouldn't actually see the side art. So he's going through restoring all of the side art, making a similar book, and hopefully this will come to something because we're discussing the idea of possibly having an exhibition of arcade side art here in the cave so we can put it all on display uh for people to come and look at maybe with a glass mm. of champagne darling make it sort of a posh art exhibition experience and um i'm looking forward to the book um i don't know what you would call that because the marquees are called arcade sidecade i'm not sure what i'm not sure what he's gonna art, yeah. arcade <laughs> do i don't know um, but those are my book recommendations this week. And I think, like you, um, I'm probably not going to rush out and buy the King of Fighters book. It looks to be of mm. high quality and uh, to a standard of all the other bitmap books that we that we know and love. Um, so thank you, Mean Machine Dean, for the recommendation. Um, but it's even if you're not interested in that, it's well worth a look at the website for things like the Commodore Amiga, Visual Compedium, and Arcade, and all of those other kind of books you'll very quickly find yourself spending far too much money. Uh, <laughs> yes. The 544-page King of Fighters book will cost you $34.99, or there's an all-star edition at $54.99 with lots of extras. Um, I don't think that's too badly priced. 35 quid for a book, if that's your thing, if that's your topic, a beautiful coffee table book, I think that's pretty good. We've probably discussed this before, Neil, um, but what was the first console you remember playing on? So not not the first one you owned, but that you remember ever playing on. I can remember it well. Um, it was one of the many Pong consoles. I probably couldn't tell you exactly which one it was, but I remember it because it had a great big rifle attached to it. Uh, so you had the square bouncing around on the screen and it had a light gun uh, in the shape of a you know full-size rifle that you would have to i say full-size i was a kid at the time but it was it was a long light gun that you would hold up to your shoulder and um hmm. <clears throat> it was at a school fete and one of my friend's family set up a shooting gallery with it so you know you'd score whoever huh, scored the cool. most points would win win a prize um so that was a lot of fun and then after that hmm. it would have been uh, a sega master system at my friend guy's house uh and then mm. eventually i got to try a, a nintendo nes i didn't own any of these because i had a microcomputer. i had my amstrad but um mm. it was in that order yeah how about you yeah nice now the first one i owned was the philips g7000 which i think i've mentioned before but this was way even before that i recall playing on at a friend's house so two doors down on a council estate i can visualize it all and it was a vetrex um oh, and yeah, so I, I think we've um, we might have mentioned this in brief before, like I said, but I, I just want to dive deeper into that memory. Uh, but let, we'll get into the story first, then we'll come back to the memories actually. But th this story was shared by Evan B. Thompson uh, on the subreddit, and it's all about a guy called Brendan. Not so much about Brendan, but about his mini Vetrex build. So sadly, this isn't for sale because I know everybody loves a mini. He says tongue in cheek. Um, so this is a hobby project, not a not a, a retail product, and it's built using a Pi two B as the brains. And understandably, it's got a modern two point five inch LCD screen rather than an actual true vector based screen. Uh, but that aside, he's basically built a full, full custom three D printed case and a very authentic looking joystick using an Arduino Pro microboard and a KYO two three joystick module. Um, the build details, the entire thing is on the write-up by Cameron Coward on hackster.io, as well as some amazing photos. And this really does look stunning. 
And there's even a banana for scale. So if you're not too sure how big a mini is, I reckon looking at the photos, it's around two thirds of a banana, Neil. So there we go. That's, uh, just in case you were wondering. And if that wasn't enough, at the bottom of the article in this full write-up is actually a YouTube video by Breden himself because he runs a, a YouTube channel called Retro Game On, and he shares the entire build process, um, literally warts and all. You know, he says through it what he thinks he's done wrong and what he's fixed and all of that kind of thing. Um, what do you think, Neil? About well, not just about uh, the, the fact that this exists, but about the Vectrex in general. Well, do you know what? Um, I hadn't actually followed this link from our subreddit yet so i've just opened it now and i'm just getting my first impressions of it and it's absolutely gorgeous he's done a wonderful it job is. of this thing um it looks exactly like a scaled down vectrex it's it can probably go no smaller because he's used a pi uh, 2b and it's only a little bit bigger than that um so he's, mm. he's really scaled it down as much as he can the controller I was going to say joypad. It's it's sort of a rectangular joystick with four buttons on, like the original. That's not that's not too scale because if it was, it would be very difficult to play. So um, yeah, I don't I don't think that's an original controller. I think that's three D printed as well. Hmm. Um, it looks like he's got it set up so that the overlays come on with the games because on the original Vectrex you had a an overlay that you had to stick on the screen to give it color. That's so right. It looks like yeah. through the emulation, it's it's applying that over the top, and there is one thing about the Vectrex, which is what makes it so special for me is is that vector display. Yeah, mm -hmm. you just you, you you just can't emulate it. You just can't get the same effect. <laughs> um, yeah. But having said that, at this scale, I think it probably probably works well. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, God, wouldn't it be nice if someone came up with um, a, a new vector screen that we could use or a new Vectrex? Oh. There's a lot mm. of conversations going on at the moment about new old CRTs and um, <laughs> a couple of friends of mine, uh, one, one Dave Velociraptor, who was a guest on this show, he was trawling, um, what's, the, what's the Chinese website, Alibaba, and he came across a listing for a CRT, new CRT monitor. And we're just trying to figure out if it's an LCD made to look like a CRT or if yeah. somebody is suddenly actually making CRTs at a ridiculously low cost. Either way, it's got a nice CRT-like shell around the monitor. So he's um he's bought himself one, and we'll see what turns up when it arrives from China. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> but yeah, coming back to the Vectrex in general, uh, I've got one behind me. Um it's, it's accessible to the public when they come and visit, but the position where I've put the Vectrex is a little bit awkward for the public. It's right next to the arcade machine, so people kind of get in each other's way. So I need to put it somewhere else. And uh, I've found with some of the machines here, I need to encourage people to actually walk up and use them. I need to give them a reason, or I need to, I think it's called nudge theory, isn't it? I need to nudge them into mm. using it. One way I've done that is with high scoreboards, chalkboards, and people seem to love that. So I think I need to put the Vectrex in a better place and uh, set a high score for people to beat. And then they just feel a bit less intimidated about walking up to use it because they've got an objective. They can see, okay, that's the score I want to beat. Let's have a go at this rather than, I don't know. I don't know rather than what, but rather than not going up and using it, it just gives them a reason to. So um, yeah. I'm hoping to give more people the experience because I think it's such a unique machine that's so hard to emulate, if not impossible to emulate the beauty, the glory of that screen. I can't explain to you how you, how bright the uh, the screen is, the images on the screen, unless you actually use one. It, it's it's almost yeah. eye-piercingly bright. And you need to experience it in the smoothness of it and the, the ghost-like effects as things move around on the screen. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Hmm. But in, in terms of miniatures, I would put this much higher than a lot of the other mini devices that are out there on the market. If this was made a commercial thing, I'd love I'd love this. Absolutely, would love yeah. to have this on my shelf. I think it's great. Yeah, would you get yourself one, Chris? Oh, if it was available, I'd certainly be tempted. Um, yeah, the, I think so. I was just thinking when you were saying about setting high scores, don't do that for skid marks, Neil, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to set Definitely. achievable challenges. You got. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be fun for everyone, Neil. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but yeah, going back to this mini Vectrex, yeah, I think it's a really nice looking build. Um, I was already subbed to this channel, by the way, actually, and this guy, we're talking about him all the way through today, he's a real Australian as well. And in fact, I found out just a couple of days ago, because he, he ended up chatting to me in the comments of one of my videos, he's not only a West Australian, he lives literally about 15 minutes from where I live. I know the area that he he hails from very well. Um, I would suggest we got him on because he's, he's got a very high quality channel. But actually on that topic, maybe he needs to get us on because on YouTube, he's beating us, Neil. He's got nearly 10,000 subs. Oh, <laughs> so, right. Don't, don't make know, me pull I, out I my RMC this... hat. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, look, he is an ST fan, though, so there is that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> moving on, I think it's great that there's just another awesome Pi project. I mean, you know, I haven't tinkered with Pi as much, but the stuff people are doing with them is just phenomenal. And this is just another excellent example of not, not just using a, a Pi, but obviously other components around it to create just such a beautiful-looking hobbyist piece of what I would call working art i think it's amazing yeah i think um, that's a good description it's always great when people share uh, their experience and, and the problems they came across and how to do this build yourself as well um has he shared the yeah. 3d print files if you want to do that yourself i had a quick look through what it and he seems to have shared pretty much everything yeah including Brilliant. you know the images that he's using and that kind of thing so it looks pretty comprehensive doesn't look like he's you know trying to stop other people from copying the idea that's that's for yeah, sure that's great um but yeah but so the vetrix itself i do want to touch on those memories um the first console i ever played on uh, and i would have these are very early memories because knowing the house i was in on that council estate i would have been about six or seven years old when this occurred my friend who funnily enough was called neil um he was a bit younger than me and it was in his house i don't think it was owned by them i think they borrowed it off somebody else so they just had it temporarily and he didn't have quite the understanding that I had of what this thing should be used for. So he just kept turning it off and on again. And he kept swapping the games out and he kept swapping the colored overlay. So I remember the overlays very well. Um, and I, I can see it, it scarred me because I just wanted to play the damn thing. Um, <laughs> but it was a bit, it was a bit frustrating. Uh, but I do remember the games we played and I had to research the names of the games based on what I remember them looking like. And what it would have been was it would have been Spike, which is a platformer. Um, quite easy to identify the name of that one once you realize what it is, because the character is this big spiky character. And, you know, yeah, you do you remember with Spike, uh, it had mm. the synthesized speech in there? And it, and yeah, see, I remember didn't that? remember that. I didn't remember that. No, no. You had, it was, it's yeah. really good speech as well. It's really funny. You've got Molly in there. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a scream of, oh no, Spike. And then and then he goes Molly, but the thing is, when he shouts "Oh Molly, I'm going to save you" or whatever, it sounds like he smokes about a hundred a day. He's got a real sort of raspy, <laughs> synthesized voice. It's hilarious to hear it come out of the vector. Nice. Yeah. No, I don't remember that. Maybe maybe my friend Neil had turned the audio off. Who knows? I don't know. But anyway, um, and I do remember the other one was what I would have assumed was Asteroid. So that must have been a game called Mindstorm, which is the Asteroid clone. That's the um, very game, similar yeah. game. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's only now being back into the hobby that I've come to appreciate just how different and very special the Vectrex actually was and mainly based to that that vector display. Um, there's usually actually one or two at the Perth Amiga users group. So uh, I think I've got to take time, assuming the owners will uh, let me, which they usually are fine with people being hands-on. I just need to relive playing those two games and hopefully playing them, playing them properly. Um, or here's an alternative. Maybe I save that for when I visit the cave, Neil. Yeah, and that is happening, isn't it? When is it that well, you're coming to see me? Hopefully it is. So, yeah, I don't I don't like to telegraph when I'm away from home too much, so maybe we'll keep that under wraps. But okay. about around middle of the year, I will, yeah, I'm, I've booked a flight. I will be tripping to the UK. The priority is obviously visiting family and especially my mother. Um, it's got to no, be done after not. the pandemic. No, it's not. And obviously I want to make sure... <laughs> Yeah, I'm That's just coming. I just booked a flight. And I, said, <laughs> I just went into the travel agent and said, I want one ticket to the cave, please. <laughs> Never mind the family. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, when it came to, do you want to return? Well, why would I want to return? <laughs> I'm just going to the cave. <laughs> just send me to the cave. No, so it is to visit family. But, of course, I would love to visit the cave. And also, it would be nice to see if we can get a maybe a in-person recording of This Week in Retro. See, let's great. see what we can yeah. do, Neil. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll no see promises. But if the opportunity comes up, yeah. 
it'd be great to have yeah, you over chris yeah. and even better if we get to record a show or if not just come and play on a few machines yeah yeah absolutely yeah nothing will go missing from that shop you've got set up at the bar i promise nothing <laughs> <laughs> there's lotus 2 in there anyway so thanks, Brendan, for making this amazing looking mini Vetrex and sharing the process with the world. Uh, but also just knowing the area that you're from and seeing how massive your YouTube channel has become. Just huge congratulations on the size of your channel and keep up the amazing work. So on then to the question of the week from our last show. And uh, it was all about movies and video games. That's right. So the question was, which game have you played that you think could slash should be made into a movie and which movie deserves its own game which doesn't already have one given the dubious history of video game to movie conversions you may be hesitant to suggest your most beloved game but let us assume that our movies would be given the topmost care in their production so um I've, we've got a suggestion here i've just noticed in the notes from duncan he's just added some text to say that his suggestion is kingdom hearts he'd love to see if anyone can make a cohesive film from that bizarre plot uh -huh. so that's duncan's input um if we jump over to the uh community question post on our subreddit chris do you want to read out the first answer yep so this is from protec 438 and he said i'm going to suggest the obvious indiana jones and the fate of atlantis deep fake harrison ford 30 years younger or use eldon enrick I'm not familiar with that person, but anyway, or whatever. Uh, but that game deserves a movie. On the other hand, the Star Wars franchise would deserve a point-and-click adventure. Uh, the protagonist doesn't have to be any of the big names. Instead, the protagonist could play their little part in the big universe of the Star Wars saga. Not forgetting the jokes and humor, of course. Yeah, great suggestion. Yeah, it's an obvious suggestion, as he says in his post, but a very good one. I would love to see that too. Um, the next answer is very short and sweet. Um, and it just says, wait, you mean Cannonball Run wasn't the movie version of Outrun? <laughs> I just rewatched that again yesterday, actually. I love that movie. I absolutely love it. You know, it's based on a real event. Uh, we haven't got time. No, it's not slide segue into cars. Is it, is it the Gumball 3000 or something like that? It's no, based on? no, it was before that. There was the US okay. Express and then there was actually a thing called Cannonball. And so the, uh, the originator of the event, Brock Yates, was actually in the movie he was involved in the movie's production and so the organizer that you see on screen in cannibal run is the actual organizer and his wife is on the the, the desk behind him uh, where they're doing the punch card tickets for the time clock um and they actually did the ambulance gag so they actually did have a, a van mocked up to look like an ambulance and one of the scenes in the movie is based on one of their interactions with the police fascinating there's a there's a book on it by brock yates love that love that anyway Good sorry Good told knowledge. you don't get me started don't get me started <laughs> right the next, one, the next one that i haven't pre-read before so let's go for it um Chris, how, what is your name? Crispy Nuts? Crispy Nuts. Yeah, sorry. Okay. When they're all one <laughs> word, it, it, it catches me out sometimes. Okay, here's my pitch. Red Dwarf. <laughs> yes. Red Dwarf. Oh, he's got me straight at the opening line. Red Dwarf. A sort of survival resource finding game. 2D, pixely, top-down comedy. Oh, yes. You start off mm. with just Dave Lister. He has to divert power from the status chambers to life support and find food pros uh, can interact with physical objects repair items and use weapons cons radiation is toxic and needs a suit to travel in areas we've without got air, a game design document food here. or water <laughs> yeah so essentially because we did say either way didn't we we did say t uh, a movie into a game or a game into a movie so either way so he's gone with a tv series into a game this i'd play this somebody make yeah, this, this please yeah it talks about puzzles, how, how to unlock rimmer uh, unlock the other yeah. characters like cat and their pros and cons uh, cat similar to lister but has higher mobility and can use air ducts cons similar to lister can't do technical repairs and is easily distracted a lot of thoughts gone into this nice um, this is brilliant yeah <laughs> this needs so to be a thing yeah have a read of that if you want if you want to see all the, the gory details interesting that he's gone for a 2d pixely top-down comedy because 
the obvious answer mm. for Red Dwarf would be a point and click adventure game. I don't don't say it. I'm not. No. <laughs> no. No. You don't agree. No. I'm seeing. I tell you what. I'm seeing. Although obviously this isn't a survival horror. I'm seeing Alien Isolation. I'm seeing first person. I want to walk around and actually be Lister. Uh, but then you can. Yeah, you can still do that and swap characters. I don't care. Or maybe third person. Yeah. I don't know. No. Not point. Doom. Not for me, Neil. Not for Doom me. Doom is not Dwayne Dibley. <laughs> <laughs> Just his face down at the bottom where the Doom guy's face is. Yeah. Yeah. This needs to be done. (laughs) I want this game. It's going on my Christmas list. Well, great answers as always. Thank you, everyone, who contributed to our question of the week. And that means it's time for our new question of the week. And um, should we go down the Lego route this week, Chris? See what other people's opinions are on what system. So if you could go out and buy a carefully designed and packaged system made by Lego that you might enjoy building. that you could afford. Let's just assume we can all afford whatever it is. We, we've all been given £300 or dollars and we've been told we have to spend it on a Lego computer kit. What kit would you like to see? So we've had the Atari 2600. We'd had the NES. Where do you want to go next? What do you want to see? Let us know. Head over to our subreddit, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro and look for the pinned community question of the week. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks. It was a great chat as always, Chris. Thank you, Neil. And hopefully we'll see him over here soon. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, chatting to you in our next episode. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, Neil. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil Thomas from RMC Cave and Chris Winter from 005 Agima. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.